This week, I'm chatting with my good friend Gerd Jansen. He's a longtime resident at the renowned Frankfurt club Robert Johnson, co-owner of the record label Running Back, and when he's not spinning records, he's a prolific music journalist, writing for the German magazines Groove and Specs. And if you know anything about magazines, you'll know Germany's got some good ones. Let's get started. This is Last Party on Earth. Last Party on Earth. Gerd Jansen is a real DJ. He was also a journalist. He runs Running Back, a fantastic label, and he's an exceptionally articulate and thoughtful man. Just don't call him an artist. I loved this episode. It was a bit loose, bordering on chaotic, but unmistakably a real conversation between friends. Here it is, the biggest issues tackled, the uncut raw truth, an incomplete but essential guide to modern DJ life. Enjoy Last Party on Earth. A side note, at the beginning of this episode, I refer to the podcast as Last Party Forever. Please forgive me. I have absolutely no memory. Hi. Hi, Gerd. Hello, Kiga. <laughs> um, we are here in beautiful Ibiza as part of a, a series, Last Party Forever. And I want to thank you for taking some time to talk to us today. Thanks for having me. We're going to jump right into it. Um, we're good enough friends that we can talk very frankly about things. Uh, the, the point of this series <laughs> is, well, I have, a lot of, I have a lot of questions in general, and especially about, I've developed, as my DJ career has gone on longer, actually more questions about DJing, uh, DJs, their rituals, what they do what they still desire, the things they like, what they don't like, etc. So this is a series to try to get a few answers from people I respect and trust their opinions. It's very kind, but aren't DJs the most boring topic ever? Well, that is that is one of the questions I seek to answer, <laughs> and so far the results are mixed. <laughs> but um, what's the ratio? I or think the rate? I'd say like 60-40. Yeah. 60 I don't know about exciting. I don't know how many DJs are exciting, but they're not boring they're not totally boring but i think actually it's a good question you ask and i think what's interesting is i think djs i think people would be surprised at how professional they are in general quite business-minded quite some of them others are just into it purely for the art of it yeah but i think even those quickly i think <laughs> quickly descend no but i think no in, seriously with travel schedules with charts there's a lot of different things in the dance space in the dj world that slowly lead you towards quantifiable sides of things that could yeah. be money that could be sales that could be chart positions even as stupid as bpm you know like there's a lot of numbers and i find it's a slippery slope in the dj world to drift away from the art but nothing that concerns us all no, we're into it for Purely for the, well, that's a the art aspect. That is a given. Yeah. This is really an interview with an artist. Yes. More yeah, than sure. anything else. Of course. <laughs> so. Likewise. To begin with, um, you, when I first met you, before I met you, I had heard, I guess a lot of people here, the, the phrase you hear is like a DJ is DJ. Uh, I know. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. I apologize. But I think what I take that to mean is more just someone that began, that started DJing because they actually wanted to be a DJ. Not so much. It wasn't, you know, it's not wanting the fame. It's not wanting all the things that came after. It's more, I guess, a kind of 90s view of what a DJ could be. Yeah, it came out of record collecting and going to <clears throat> raves and clubs and parties. And actually, 
I think I'm very, <laughs> I'm not very musical. So I thought about maybe I should try my luck at DJing or the other way around when I got asked by people who saw me buying records in record shops, well, if I want to come down and DJ at their party, I thought, okay, I, can, I, I think I can kind of manage because... I think I say that quite often, but at those times you were on the same level as the bartender. I mean, quite literally. I remember. Yeah. Like at the end was of the, the night, there was like cleanup crew, yeah. bartender, you, yeah. Yeah. security. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. And also, I mean, I remember when people, this, it's not like a nostalgia thing to, oh, it was so great. People were dancing with just each the other. the way it was. Yeah. It was just the way it was. And the only guys looking at the DJs were the other tried to be DJs because they wanted to see what kind of music. I remember. I don't want to reveal my age, but I remember I remember some of the very first clubs I played in actually when the DJ booth wasn't in the same room. Yeah. I actually remember there was a few places, a few yeah. old clubs where you were kind of, it was almost like you were in the coat check area yeah. and you'd have like a window yeah. to see yeah, I remember what was too. happening. Like, yeah. So it was a big step up when you got into the same room. Yeah. yeah, one of the legendary German house clubs, Front in Hamburg, which was like Boris Lugos. Okay. Playground uh, and and uh, his <laughs> Studio Fifty Four. His Studio Fifty Four, and that got closed in ninety seven or so. And it, that place was famous for that 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 the DJ booth was like on the side somewhere. It was like a hidden room. Yeah. And you, there was just like a bull's eye. A people. Yeah. Bull's eye to <laughs> to look out. And we don't. And those aren't days that we want back. It's not. We're not romanticizing it. It's just a fact. I mean, as good looking as both of us are, it, well, it was be, impossible for the crowds to yeah. to be restricted to just seeing our eyes. The demand was there. Yeah, yeah. To tear was, tear yeah. down that wall. Yeah. And as uh, there is a German uh, proverb, when you have a nice uh, meal, it says the eye eats as well. You know. So. Got it. That's why we have to be in the spotlight. You said something uh, which I like, which is you didn't consider yourself so musical. Yeah. And I think th that's something interesting. I think people might not realize, and I suspect a lot of DJs feel that way, which is, I think it's almost the difference where you believe strongly in your taste, mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily, you consider yourself a musician. It's like being a critic without a typewriter, but a 1210 instead. <laughs> <laughs> well congratulations you win yeah that was a good one yes you yeah. win yeah like you just win <laughs> you win for the for the like that's a dj cliche i haven't even heard yeah and 1210 yeah not 1200 no the germans had 1210s that was <laughs> not that was spectacular yeah yeah <laughs> i mean the first time i saw silver techniques was like maybe two years ago and i was like what's that <laughs> Um, we, so you started in, tell me a little bit about what, what was the first time your first experience, if you can remember specifically at a party or somewhere where you had that feeling, you know, like you get home at night and you're just like, it changed you basically. Like, like if you remember a first moment, a party would made you believe, okay, this is something that I want to spend my life doing or that I just, I just want this. I want to be a part of it. You mean like the same experience Theo Parrish had when he saw Lil Lewis playing in Chicago and said, uh, my DNA got changed. I want to know your change DNA. And by the way, you could, from after we're finished, could you co-write these questions with me? <laughs> I want to know when your DNA was changed. Mutated. Uh, mutated. 
I think I couldn't put my finger on one incident because, again, where I was growing up, on the country, in the country, on the countryside, in the country, in the countryside, in the countryside, between Frankfurt and Heidelberg and Mannheim, there was in the 90s, early 90s to late 90s, there was a party every day somewhere. You just had to have friends with cars to get you there. So it, it was basically... But there wasn't like a first or, I mean, or, I, or at this point, it's all just an era. Like I can say when the first time was and what the record was okay. that, where I was like, oh, wow. I think I'm, I mentioned it in a few interviews before. I was on a Boy Scout trip and like uh, the leader of our pack, he was already... <laughs> He was he was already a club kid in Frankfurt at the Omen. Sven Fate was already playing there, blah, blah, blah. And he had tapes from like an HR3 club night, which was like the, a Saturday night DJ show on German radio where Sven Fate played every five weeks or something. And he had a tape and he was like, hey kids let's listen to that and we were all like oh wow what is this music How old were you? uh 13 12 fish oh, around that age uh, and he's like oh this is called techno and it must have been i mean we can't <laughs> we can't <laughs> it's like the name of a compilation yeah this is techno no, was, this is called techno, techno. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the virgin compilation I'm sure it's happened. Yeah. Um, it was a homeboy, a hippie and a funky dread. Total, total confusion. confusion. Yeah. That's quite strange. Okay. I have to, it's not about me, this interview, but one of my earliest like religious experiences was in Goa. There was this famous Goa DJ, Goa Gill. <laughs> Goa, he, Goa Gill. <laughs> or Goa Gill. And the best was he was like rivals with my father. So there were like some weird DJ rivalry. Oh yes, your, your father My dad it? played tapes and stuff and go. Anyway, I went off to a party on my own in the morning or with a couple of friends. I was about 12 and I heard Total Confusion. And he, Goa Gill, gave it to me on a cassette. And in my house, it was like verboten to have a Goa Gill tape. Like I, go, like I was under pressure from my dad. Anyway, that's crazy. That's still still one of my all-time favorite records. Yeah, I still, my the Heavenly Mix. Yeah, yeah. I, I, still, I still play it quite often. And I think it kind of sums up the era as well, because it, it is like techno, but it's hip-hop as well. And well, it's though, this mishmash of... Yeah, I, I think that's the prototype still of what I'm trying to do like today, essentially. I mean, the, the mixture of those elements. How's the rapping? But that one didn't have rapping on it. The Heavenly Mix? No. Yeah, but still, I mean, come on. Oh, I didn't. I stayed away from, I mean, Start the Panic was good with the, anyway. Um, my rapping is, my rapping is fairly decent. It's not, it's not as good as it should be. Not as good as it could be. As a native speaker. So uh, the idea... That so that was that was what kind of sparked the fire where I thought... And I was already into ska music. So I like dancing more than standing around stroking a chin at a concert. That's Thinking important. about, oh wow, whatever, you know. So I, very early on, I preferred the club dancing experience over standing around watching a band mm -hmm. or an act or whatever performing you know i'm a democrat not like a u.s american yeah. democrat but i like the participation of everyone you know and the dynamics of it more than this kind of hey ho, hey call and response, ho, call and response thing mm -hmm. yeah so the concept of this well the the construct with this podcast is that it's your last party ever I am aware it's it's a very difficult. They're difficult questions. It's you know? not difficult. It's in nine years' time. So okay, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm already case, thinking about it. Well, then it's not difficult because you're. Or a maybe man. in ten years because I have to do a farewell tour. Yeah, 
And well, then you, I you have, have it to come back out. So right. for yeah, you, yeah, this yeah. is going to be, you're the yeah. dream interview. It's, it's, it's going to be easy. Yeah. I so, look to James Murphy for, for guidance, for guidance of how to do that. Okay. Well then let's jump into it. So the idea is this is your, it's your dream party and it's also your last party. So we're going to touch obviously on some topics about the end and, and, and where it's all going. So what, but let, let me put in yes. a question first. How can it be a dream party if what once was a dream became a nightmare? Well, if it, well, no, if, if it is in fact now a nightmare, <laughs> then we can, we can talk about that. Or, or you're just going to have to remember what it was like when it was a dream. Yes. Let's remember how it let's, was yeah. when it was, because I'm a positive guy, right? It seems like that. Yeah. Positivity. Yes. Yeah. Always well, wins it, over negativity. Well, okay. But let's just, let's tackle it. If, if the word nightmare even pops into your head, I mean, you DJ hundreds of shows a year, you've been doing it for a while. I know privately, like like loads of people, you wrestle with, you know, how many should I do? Should I do more or less? Should I stop? Is it good? Is it bad? Whatever. How often do you finish a show and you feel great? Actually, every time. I'm so happy it's over. Rewind. <laughs> 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 the walk down the hall with the key card, the magic walk. Yeah. Okay. Let's separate joy no, no, from no, relief. To, yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying just is, actually let's, let's take the jaded out a little bit. Let's yeah, yeah, pull yeah. back. Honestly. Yeah. How often? Because I know that sometimes I jump into bed or whatever, no after party. And, and I feel like I have answers. Like, like things happen and I feel like, yes. And a lot of other times I have questions and I feel like, what's going on? I don't know. How often do you feel a sense of accomplishment, joy, satisfaction? I think actually nine out of 10 times or okay. 10 out of 10 times because, yeah, it, I know it's weird. You have the highest number of anyone I've asked. Yeah, way. but because it is, of course, it's not always that I think, oh, wow, this was the, if, if, if now a double decker bus would crash into us. <laughs> you know were the you, reference? Of course. I was. Morrissey, yeah. were you a journalist Obsessed. at some point? I was a journalist okay. at some point. I want to get that out of the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> then I wouldn't always say, okay, oh, wow, we ended up on a high. But I think at one point you have to stop seeing this about you, this thing, you know. I mean, of course, it's about your taste in music and your skills as a DJ and what kind of your vision of a party is when you step up, you know, and start playing. But I think at the end of the day, as corny as it sounds, it's about... It's not corny, what you're going to say. It's about the people on the dance floor. So you have to try to make the best out of it. And you, and you give them a good time. And or you the feel best that when you play? You actually feel that? Yeah, because I'm very submissive. So I can play, oh no, new order, Blue Monday, not again. But if I have the feeling... I envy you. Yeah. If I have the feeling it's the right time and space and spot to do that, then I do that. So you're generous. I don't know if that... I mean, I think that's a job, no? Of course I Well, could. this is really interesting. I mean, this is... We're, we haven't even started with the, yeah. the official program, but this is more important because, I mean, I think this touches really on defining a DJ between some type of professional entertainer in a sense versus, I don't know, more of a, a I guess, an ego-driven performer. I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that properly, but I, I, I think it's the difference between an artist and a DJ. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. This is a gold yeah. mine. Yeah. Huh. Because I'm not blaming anyone who's not like that. So you don't that. consider yourself an artist or, no, at least, or at least at you're, and you're comfortable with that. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. And I think I get the impression that's liberating. 
maybe. I mean, when I write an invoice, you know, I have to put 7% on it because that's like the artist kind of thing in Germany instead of 19% yeah. for the VAT. But I think that's that, you know. And it, there was always this talk 30 years ago, oh, what is the DJ doing? Yeah, he creates something new out of two records, blah, blah, blah. When I was, no, he's not. He's bridging them. Yeah. You know? And of course, there are certain DJ stunts and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, come on. Well, I think at the very least, I think you have clarity for yourself. I'm, I mean, it sounds like you, you know, it sounds like you've, you have a clear vision of what your role is and the clarity and the focus of that it gives you, I think, an edge. Clear Vision is my favorite drink at Schiphol's airport. There's a juice bar and they have a Clear Vision. It's like carrot, apple and ginger. Hmm. And I always get one when I'm there. I envy your clarity with regards to DJing. Yeah. I don't know about everything else. <laughs> Let's jump into this because... Uh, but yeah, I mean, I am I think I'm actually torn. Not that I have, that I'm waking up in the middle of the night or the next morning. I think, oh, I should be more of an artist. But I'm not saying... You know, what I'm saying, this is the B and end of it all. It's just how I kind of feel like it mm. sometimes, you know? And I mean, it's... it's Well, I feel like that too. I, I, I actually do feel that too, but, I am, but I'm much more torn, especially when I factor in making records and then the persona of the producer. And then, I don't know, but my instinct, especially having come through the 90s, is very much like yours. My instinct is to be comfortable being a small part of the engine, you know, to be part of the entire party, not to be the center of the party, yeah. you know. But that's because you have the other side of you, which is I guess like being a pop star. That's it. That's yeah. what screws me up. Yeah. Let's jump into this. Otherwise, but, we'll but, never... Uh, what I'm, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. But I'm also not saying that everyone who is not going down the DJ kind of service mentality road and is doing it as the artist, you know, oh, I'm only playing 105 BPM all night long, take it or leave it. I envy that. I think that's super strong. And in the end, you know, this is like about progress of our art form. <laughs> no, like seriously. I mean, I envy those. I, I've always said I would love to be a jungle DJ or, but they have also micro genres now, right? I'm sure. Bass, I, yeah. I assume. Uh, techno maybe. But that's I, I also not as clear as it used to be. I don't know. I don't have answers. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe I, to quote another DJ, I'm just a professional or semi-professional party DJ. And if you consider yourself to be one of those, then you have to do that. Not like completely jukebox. I'm sure I have records no one likes and I still play them. Yeah, I guess it's a little or bit... Or no one knows them. Well, people have to have fun or you're not doing yeah. your job. Yeah, that's like a thing. comedian, I, right? I, if they're not, yeah. they're not laughing, maybe you're not funny. You know? Yeah. I don't know. So what is a dream opening record for you? Okay, so the idea here is, despite that it might be a nightmare at this time or in the future, this is still, I guess it's just, uh, if if you had one last set to play. Yeah. Okay, so you got one last set. It's tonight. I don't know, wherever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, tonight, it's, it's in six okay. hours. No, it's your it's your last party ever. Try but to try to it, hide it, your excitement. Is it me from start till the end? That's because up to the, you. That is That's part of that. That is important. I... It is 100% up to you. Or is it just like 90 minutes or two hours? These questions usually, are, these are all going to happen. I don't play longer anymore, so that's like... Yeah, well, if you want to make an exception for your last one... Okay, I'll play the whole night. By the way, I was about to give you serious props if your last party ever you wanted to play 90 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Not even two hours, 90 minutes. 90 minutes ever, this interview would have been over. Yeah. And you would have just been the greatest. Yeah. 
Oh, shit. Okay, let's go. Okay. Yeah. It's your last part ever. How long do you want to play? I think uh, that's another thing. Your mate, Dubfire, didn't he post? <laughs> oh, that he DJed for 100 hours or something? Yeah, something DJ like that. for four weeks? Yeah, yeah. A month? I don't know what that's about. How do they do it? I, I mean, I have no idea. I mean, why do they do it? I think is a more <laughs> important. I have no idea. I know why, but I think... But I can tell you right now that the, yeah. the, if I had a few minutes to come up with a list of things that I would do before I would DJ for 36 hours, the list would be crazy. I mean, I would... I would... Almost anything. I mean, I would... You mean instead of yeah, doing yeah, yeah, yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would do crazy things. I would do properly crazy things. I would walk through a city naked or I would... I mean, I would live on... Milk for a month. I don't know. Wrestle a crocodile. Eat for sure. That's not <laughs> even, that's pretty high on the list. Yeah. I don't know why they do that. Yeah. Uh, because I think. Do you know how long you'd like to DJ? Yeah, 12 hours. 12 hours. Yeah. Because I think that is a healthy number. So your last part, your, your big final, it's the final farewell. Yeah. I mean, I think it's amazing. It's an accomplishment. I think it's great. It takes all kinds. It's different people with different. So you're going to play it's for like, 12 hours. It's like this this Guinness World Record disco dancing thing. No, but you know what it is also? It's, I think, I've never related to the Guinness approach <laughs> to anything, but there's people that that are in, I mean, there are people that they're going to prove something, you know? Yeah. No, so, I think 12 hours allows everyone, including your tour manager and your friends, to be there for the whole time. I think 12 hours is a lot of time. So it's a party, you know, for everyone. Uh, tell me your dream opening record? I mean, don't know if it's a dream opening record. I think it would be a just... A fantastic opening it record. Would, it would be just uh, corny stuff 12 hours long because I would play the best of the best and that's usually cheesy corny stuff. Um, it, it's either Fortet Peace on Earth because it's also transporting a message in its title. Uh, or Manuel Göttching E2, E4 because... It needs 45 minutes to get everyone in. Okay. So, yeah. Or there is another record by The Rascals, which is kind of a, I don't even know, art rock band. And there is a whole LP side you can play. I would have to look the title of the LP up. The beautiful cover. Yeah. Are people sick of the Manuel Göttching record, E2, E4? I don't think so. Um, do you think while you DJ? Yes, I think about breakfast, uh, about Brexit. Really? About, no. No, no, really. No. no, sometimes, I mean, if I play really long, then I start thinking. Or if I'm bored of myself, not of the people. I'm never bored of the people or the party. I'm bored of myself. You're never bored of the party? No. Unless it's like a weird thing where you end up, like a corporate gig. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's clear that they could have asked anybody. Sir Spotify. Hmm. You know, and he would have played a better set than you ever could there. But hey, I love corporate gigs. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> no, what I mean is, I, I mean, okay. I, I mean, sometimes my thoughts I remember wander for years, off. I remember yeah. for years, I didn't think. And when I say I didn't think, I mean it in the, in the sports way, you know. You're, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're in the moment, you're doing something and you're, but whatever, you're, I guess, just focused, you know, you're, you're in some kind of flow state yeah. and you're, and without sounding to uh, whatever, you're, you're very present, you're very in the moment. Yeah. And I don't know when it began quite recently, or you go through phases where, you know, and at the beginning it's quite noticeable because you're like, whoa, wait a second, I'm, I'm outside of this experience and yeah. I'm, I'm being critical or self-critical or I'm thinking. That's what I mean. Maybe it's time to stop, Tiga. Well, 
Mm. I mean, a simple answer would be maybe not stop, but probably that definitely means something's changed and it definitely means you need to recalibrate. I sometimes Mm. have that, but I think that's more due to circumstances. Such as what, the quality of the parties or your your energy level? Your energy, your private life, maybe something's going on there that makes you think. And you know, I'm sober most of the times I play, so I can't just hit the switch and be like, oh, party time. So you maybe take that baggage on your shoulder. Is that something? No, you have a badge on the shoulder. It's like a cross to bear or a yeah. burden. So yeah, it's a cross to bear or burden, and you can't throw the baggage over your left shoulder as soon as you start to play. But when you say maybe you should stop playing, I'm, I don't know why you think. You know, I'm just explaining <laughs> why why it could be, or you're just completely, you're over it. You've done it. You're like a sportsman who achieved every, got every trophy. Do you? Uh... And I think to to finish it, I think. If the circumstances are right, you know, the party, the sound, your mood, then you don't think. Then, and even if you play long, then it's almost like it sounds corny, cheesy, really pathetic and bad. But you, you're you almost getting into this kind of, the furthest I ever ran was kind of a half marathon, not even. And then it's like with running, you know, at one point you just run, you stop yeah. being aware of running. You just run. And that's with teaching sometimes the same. But, but then it's your party. It's not like, okay, I have 90 minutes, then it's the next person after me. And then I have to get the car to the airport. It's it's more like if you can let your hair down. But also do you- but I think, you know, a couple of times you say it's corny or it's cheesy, but I don't think that is corny because I, mm. I think also, because you've already mentioned a few times, I mean, the awareness to, to loads of people listening, this must seem ridiculous because it must, it, it, they, everyone assumes that the most obvious thing in the world is that the guy that's up there playing the records has fun, has fun yeah. and is into it. So a warning to everyone out there. I mean, we're, I'm aware of that, of the absurdity of even talking about it. Yeah. Pompous freaks we are. Well, but but that's also behind the curtain with all artists and all performers and all, you know, I remember the first time I started going backstage at concerts and meeting people and, you know, you'd see some gigantic band would get off stage and, you know, five minutes later, guy's on his phone or talking to, you know, or, or complaining now, about a sandwich. Now or, they're on the phone while they're playing. <laughs> yeah. No, so... no, but, Checking the stock but market. Think, but I think the thing is, but I guess you could argue when you say the awareness of the crowd and how connected you remain to them and how kind of giving you are. And in that sense, how much you take yourself out of it. Those are things that you probably felt intensely at the beginning of your career. When you were, still, when you were still a bottle of tomato ketchup that was full to the lid. Yeah, but, could, but and you now, could argue that the longer the you maintain is... that, the longer you maintain that, the better. Right? Yeah. yeah. But I sometimes find the question weird if the people who so kindly invited me to play at their festival rave party club. And then they asked me, did you have fun? And then I, I, I started to think the question is weird because everyone else should have fun except for you. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a bonus if you have fun as well, but, but you're they, there working, you know, you, you should make sure you're the, yeah, this is how I see myself. But you have a kind of blue collar approach. Yeah. You have like a very workmanlike approach to DJing, which actually I do too. And it's I out of the, date now because uh, what happens is now they just, it doesn't even register to promoters that you would, they probably think you're bullshitting 
they, they probably don't even believe you when you have that approach. They think you're like, but I'm like that too. It's, it's really more like, did I do my job? Like, yeah. are you, are you satisfied? Yeah. Are they satisfied? Yeah. If everyone's happy, I did my job. Like and I'm happy. Yeah. And I, and I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm the, I, I don't see, think people I growing myself... up, maybe still, I don't, I don't know if newer generations of DJs were brought up with that tradition or that context. Um, they're probably used to. If everyone's always asking, did you have fun? You start to think it's important that I have fun, you know? Yeah. Do you have a pre-show ritual? Do you have things you always do? Like, you know, like how early do you show up before you play? I mean, when I started doing this, I went after dinner with the guys and the girls to the club. And I, yeah, you, yeah. And and I was almost a little bit offended if we had guests at our nights at Robert Johnson and they were like, uh, get me get six me, minutes get, before the show, get me five minutes after I'm supposed to start. Um, and I was like, oh, why are they doing this? They, they, they need to see how the party's going so they can relate and think about how they play. And I didn't take into account that if you do this for a living and you, you maybe do it three times every week, then you become this machine, Yeah, you know? which can be a, a good machine, you know, like some machines are needed to work very well. I met you at a dinner. <laughs> yeah. I met you at one of the only dinners I ever met. I often actually use you as an example to myself of the beautiful things that can happen when you leave a hotel room. I almost didn't I, go I, to that dinner because they told me that you're coming. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of the only, it was, I probably go to one dinner a year. And I'll always be happy I went to that one in Tel Aviv. Um, yeah, I remember it very fondly. It was, yeah, it was nice. Fun. It was good. We laughed a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is, a, okay, we got to get to some more music. Yeah. Well, if it's a 12 hour set, choose a peak time record. I mean, let's just say this is like big party, last party, special party. And you're just, you've gotten them to wherever really special place. And it's time to just drop the hammer. Did did we play uh, the homeboy hippie and a funky you dread can play thing? That. Because but I think you would have to play something uh, hilarious, ridiculous of that sort. In that's the middle. what your choice would be. It, it yeah, it could also be Outlander Vamp or maybe Kernkraft 400 Zombination, which is like the the techno equivalent to White Stripes of a, like a football stadium record. But I maybe played it in my life five times now. I never played it when it came out. I don't because, think I ever played it. Because I was like, Ugh. but when you, you can, you can slow it down and, and it has this kind, it's like this kind of joke you make, you know, and for a lot of people, they have fond memories of it because it was like a foundation record when they started going out. So, you know, they have all these memories that come up with it when you play it. Other people always hated it, but they have to start like me grinning immediately. Okay, this is a very important point and it's very close to my heart and it's probably at the core of something I think about concert. You say, you know, you brought it up a few times, something being deliberately corny or having fun with it. Or I guess something, it's just, you're just not taking it too seriously in a sense that that's... Or myself, yeah. Or yourself. And also playing a record that, I guess just playing a record that is kind of obvious in a way and fun. Yeah, I guess a hit. Yeah. A, a hit, a real hit. You yeah. Know? Now, I, I'm only putting, throwing myself in here just as a candidate. See, I've, I have really struggled over the years, it's not just now, this goes all the way back. I have struggled, like it's been like a cycle between playing loads of hits, records when I thought they were really special, whatever, and then being... That's quite, when you made them yourself, you mean? Or if I made them myself, but even better if they were other people's. And yeah. if I, you know, just just 
moments, like in the rave years, it was like that, or in the in the Ed Banger years, it was like that, or Electro Clash. You know, when I really, I found records that I thought were big, were giant special records, and I loved them. But there's also been huge periods where, to put it simply, I think I was kind of boring, like a little bit uptight, a little bit too, like holding back in a way. You know, yeah, like because playing, you thought you were in a radio show, not in a club. You maybe, yeah. Like whatever it is, there's a bunch of different reasons. That's one. Also, I think just trying to be a bit too cool, maybe. Like whatever, just a bunch of different errors. But but um, but you're somebody that I think. I mean, you're you're one of a group of DJs that definitely has kind of mastered that. Mastered that. I guess it's being a party DJ, for lack of. And there's no. I don't say. I say it in a completely complimentary way. Thank you. So what <laughs> my question is. Either what is right about you or what is wrong with me? Like, what does yeah, that make any we, sense? Yeah, but then we would need a music journalist now, preferably from Resident Advisor, to uh, make an analysis of the two but, of okay, us. Okay, but do and you, then, when, you play, when you play what you call a corny disco record, okay, I, yeah. don't, I don't even know what it is, but you, you play, first of all, do you love the record? I don't play. Okay, so that's I, I don't. I don't play records that I don't love or like. Okay, so same here. So that so category one is you. You love that record. Yeah, I mean you actually or love I like it. We like is, it, right? Which is like you know you. you yes. I mean you. You like you it can't tell to, me you you you. I like it enough to play it. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Know? Sorry, that's what yeah. I meant. It's yeah. it's in the like category. Yeah. It's yeah. in the groupie. It yeah. made it to your box. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah. Like you said last night, yeah. playing, it playing it at your funeral. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to be my most favorite record of all times, you know. And when my house is burning and I have to save three records, it doesn't need to be in there in order for me to play it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, hundred like percent. No, I don't even. It's it's a tricky line of questioning because really, I guess I'm really trying to figure out myself through my guest. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, <laughs> how the, boring would it be if it would only be the? I mean, you. I mean, you're into. I'm not that. You're boring. into fashion, you yeah. know. I mean, would you say every piece you ever bought was without second guessing and you love it and you would wear it again? Sometimes it's, no. a, sometimes it's a shirt or a piece for the moment. You and, know? It's, and it's critical to having style yeah. to, you know, periodically have the, you know, the pink pants or the, yeah. or whatever, you know, the, yeah. the yeah. something loud, the something gaudy, the something obvious. Yeah. And the something that provides contrast. And yeah. Yeah. And I think it's kind of the same with music. It might go against the... Have you ever gone through a phase where... The holiness of it, you know? Have you ever gone through a phase or a period where you felt you were struggling with that? Where you felt like, I don't know how to express it. Like you forgot how to have... Like you weren't having as much fun with the record. Specifically, like I'm saying musically, where you were like, where you just weren't playing as much fun, as much party style, where it started to get a little... A little more, I don't brainy. know. Yeah, brainy. No, I don't think so. I think I always try to tailor it, fashion, uh, <laughs> to <laughs> to the moment, you know. Mm. And I, when I started to DJ, I was already collecting all kinds of music, but I guess I was what you would refer to nowadays as a deep house DJ. Because like the clubs I frequented the most were like house clubs, you know. And even if I went to jungle or techno parties and bought jungle records and techno records, I never wanted to be a jungle or a techno DJ. So I started playing Deep House. Why did you never want to be a techno DJ? I, at that time, I didn't want to be a professional DJ anyway, or never thought I would be a professional DJ. So I, it was more about time, money and resources. So I thought I'd buy more of the stuff I gravitate to the most or I, where I thought, okay, I will 
again, this is when I started, when this DJ thing became more and more a thing for me, um, where I was like, okay, will I, is it possible that I will still like this record in five years? And I thought it's more possible with like house and song structures and music mm. than certain techno thing. I bought a lot of Detroit records and things like that, you know, but I always bought so many, probably 80% of my collection is techno records. And I, yeah, but you were a working techno DJ yeah, from almost the start on, yeah. right? Yeah, but I always had trouble, what I always had trouble with, why I was never a real like techno DJ with a capital is I just didn't have the patience to play the same thing for more than yeah. like 40 minutes. Like I couldn't. Yeah, that's, like my, a, like, that's maybe. A, and I remember I used to see, I remember when I had my club in Montreal, guys like we'd bring like Marco Corolla or we'd bring, you know, guys and. And I was kind of jealous a bit because they would they'd be like linear and focused and patient, like Machines. The, but but the patience really yeah. like the patience. It's like and uh, not boring at all. Just just pa a kind of patience I never had. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's why I also thought I couldn't be a techno. D I mean, now I think there is this now that EBM is back into techno exactly. world. Exactly. Um, uh, now a bit it's the more... kind of techno you always wanted. It yeah, to yeah, be. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I I thought I didn't have the focus and the determination and the drive to do it like that. Um, tell me a little bit about... And I love Sade. So it's easier to play Sade in a house set than in a kind of yeah. as a last techno record would be a weird break. Yeah, I'm the same. I remember all through the 90s where it was... I remember a whole periods where... The only thing I knew, you know, people would ask, do you plan your sets? There was zero planning ever. The only thing was I would have like this record I wanted to end on, mm -hmm. you know, that yeah. was it. It was just like, if I could somehow get to the place where I could finish with this record, you know? Yeah. I think that those are the easiest questions in your questionnaire. Yes. The records you start with and the records you end with everything that happens in between. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me, okay. So spontaneous back to, back to the records. Um, what's a record that you always wanted to play? This could be tricky for you. I don't know. But one of those ones you've always wanted to play and never played. You know, those ones you're saving. I don't know if you do that. Uh, for what? Ah, okay. So maybe you don't do it. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of records I always bought are there, okay, and I, never played. How about on. a record then that you, you know, those ones that you maybe hesitate and then all of a sudden you just play it and it's incredible and you're like, what was I thinking? Like, why did I wait? Yeah, there are records like that, but they are so anonymous that I really couldn't... Nothing to talk about. No, I would love to, but I forgot their name. Okay. You know, it's like more this kind of B2 thing on a techno white label. Got it. Techno again. And then you just put it on for whatever reason and you think, oh, wow, this kind of works. Do you have a secret record? That I don't want people yeah. to know and everyone <laughs> goes crazy when I play it? No. I think that that stuff is the stuff of the 90s did you use 10 years did you ago used to what about sharing like did you used to cover up your labels no i know guys you never who marked your records no mm -mm. i mean i was a kid coming up so you were ahead why? Of your it, would, time. it would it would have been pathetic to do that you know and yet i know a lot of kids who did yeah yeah but they were kind of in competition i was not in competition i was dancing you know i, I, I would have been the guy looking are like, you competitive oh. now no not at all Are you competitive as a DJ? No, not at all. Zero competition. You know, I, can, I, I, I was always amazed. I started, I mean, again, things that reveal more about yourself than you want. Yeah. But I remember, you know, when I first became friends, with, very good friends with like too many DJs. And they'd be like, 
oh, Tiga, here, here's a folder with like our favorite 500 songs. I'd be like, oh my God. And same like Seth, like people would just give me folders with all their music. And, and I never did that. Like I never would have done that. I was like, I was But they very, are mean that's like overfeeding you because they know it's so okay. many tracks you can't go through it. No, 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 so no, no, it no, will but, just but saying, block but, you. But I'm saying, no, you. but the intention is yeah. of genuine generosity. It, it's a line, it is a line between the type of kid that markers his records and the kind of person that would never. And and there's, it's personality. Yeah, but no, it's also the interesting fact or insight that the same record in the hands of oh, so it's actually confidence, people. supreme yeah, no. confidence. No, no, I'm not saying it's supreme <laughs> oh, it's confidence. Oh, like give him the Tiga. It doesn't he matter. He, he can't. He can't. He can. He's got no chance of assembling them in any meaningful way. He can't even mix a <laughs> Jack and Coke. <laughs> It'll drive him crazy. Give him yeah. the whole box. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant in the start. But I think it's it's actually true that there is still this weird thing you can't really put into words. Character, personality, yeah, of course, that makes even hit records sound very different in 100%. in different hands. You know. Oh well, I think yeah. it happens to me constantly where I hear, you know, I hear someone play a record that I didn't like or I thought it was lame or I skipped through it or never played it, and all of a sudden I love it. Mm. It's happened. You've played records I, where I was like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah and then I sent him to you, and you were like, oh, delete. I'm like, no, no, I was right. I was right. Yeah. <laughs> it was temporary. I just temporary. I was right. Yeah, uh, but should we pick? like something at least to play that would maybe fit it as far as a, a, a I mean there is well, like if you're this not kind selfish of, and like, you don't have that in you it's it's that's really the discussion point yeah. you know it's not that's what you mean with secret I mean I have records I I think are criminally overlooked and I would have loved them to be like this what well, pick, Morgan, a, pick, pick a criminally under, undervalued what record what Morgan guys so aptly titled unclassics okay uh, give me an unclassic uh, I think it's a Jordan Fields record which is a bit of John Fields is the dark horse of house music. See, I know? don't even... Yeah, you don't even know. It's crazy. Go. But we can edit it to make it... It's on a label called Serial Fields by Jordan Fields. Might have been his own label then. <laughs> uh, I think it's called Themes by Jordan Fields. And it's <laughs> the artist's name was Serial Fields. The label was called or is called Mind Food Records. How much do you care about playing a record that other people are playing? You couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. Okay. Usually other people aren't there when I play it, right? Yeah. But yeah. I'm saying some... I mean, often you get, this is like another... Um, I, I mean, like the idea Internet of, phenomenon. But I mean the idea of, you know, you retiring a record when you know that everyone's playing it. Mm, no, I retired when I think, okay, I'm done with it. Like, not again. Or if I have the feeling the people as well are done with it. Yeah, because obviously we both know, I mean, records do have a lifespan. I find there's a certain class of records, like the B records, not yeah. the real classics, but the yeah. kind of almost classics where they have a definite time limit. They're like big, big, big for a certain amount of time. And then it's like, oof, and then you got to wait two years or something. Yeah, but maybe like Kerncraft 400, uh, Zombie Nation. I mean, that it's like a horse. No, you know? that one you I put in the category A. I, yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of it, timeless. But Oh, yeah, but it, there's a there's, cycle. Yeah, there's yeah, a definitely. cycle. There's a time where you have to put it to yeah. rest, you yes. know, or give the horse a little break until you start. Until it's the, ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Until it's ironic or until it's kind Fresh of. Fresh again. Classic. Yeah. Until it becomes that. It has to be aged. Aged. Yeah. It has to be aged. Like wine. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. The records have to be aged. Yeah. And some never age. Yeah. There's some records that just never, there's styles and genres that become, that are really hard to bring back. 
and other things that fell flat on their backs at the time at the time and now there are like these super sought records on discogs and there's super sought or sought after because back then they couldn't sell more than 200 of it because no one wanted to have it it didn't fit how and now it fits really well how do you shop for music what's your do you do it every day do you do it once a week i used to do it every day what about right now, my, right now right now my brain tells me don't ever listen to music again <laughs> Yeah. Right now, what, take me through a one-week cycle of you There is now. no cycle, there is no schedule, no there is no, it's total randomness these days. And what about, do you still I, buy I, records? Do yeah, you buy vinyl? I, yeah, I try to install a schedule for it or a method. But it doesn't And stick. it feels like work, so that's, I think, why I... Rebel. This whole working class thing <laughs> is just a smoke mirror, I'm super lazy. So I rebel against it, you know? I would rather read a book. Yeah. Sounds uh, like, I mean, and I think I also work too much or try to work too much on music, which is usually the time, at least that's how I explain it to myself. The time I would usually spend looking for records, I spend in the studio now making them. <laughs> and music? I'm not sure it's a good idea to swap that. No. Yeah. But also I find shopping for music changed a lot when it's just you alone with your laptop. Things not only sound different, but I, I find when I shop online, like just, you know, when you sit down a camera and look for music for a couple hours... It's a bit of a crapshoot. Like sometimes you end up actually depressed. It's like a weird, for me, I, it, it's sometimes great, sometimes really shitty. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not the same as like going into a shop or, yeah. you know, that's long gone. But when you go into a shop, you, you go to the aftermath I, you know of what? having to record it all. Yeah, that's to true. To be actually able to play it. Anyway, I, I go into a shop so rarely now that it's not worth, it's not worth discussing. It happens like once a year, twice a year. Yeah. Mm. What about how do you organize your music? No organization. That's another thing I, yeah. Yeah, it's Chaos. I never organized my record collection and I never organized this whole, you know, the so you just build up a box, you take 100 the, the, records, the DJ behavior of turning up at the party, then you open your case and you put some records to the left, some to the side and then you side you, diagonal. Yeah, yeah. Then you corner put, up, then you corner them up and do. I used to do that because I thought that's what it looks like when DJs open their case. But I have never actually really knew what I was doing there. Like, really? Yeah, no, I never ha I never could pre plan it even on the spot like that. No, I was like, I missed that. I used to really, I, no, I loved it. I would just, because quickly I, I could never like see ahead properly. I needed to be in the club. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, this one's going to be good. This one's going to be good. This one. No, 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 no. This one. Yes, yes, yes. And then I'm going to end with this, 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 yeah, this, this. For, and for me, it's more like, okay, I start with this. Then I look for that record. And then I think, okay, what would be good after it? And then I remember what I have in that case. And then I look for that record. I can't do it. Before. So digitally, do you do you kind of try to follow the same patterns digitally? Like, do you recreate your old vinyl life with how you organize your music? I mean, I just started to use Recordbox a year ago, so it was just like folders on a stick, and then I was thinking of the track. Yeah, I was just saying how it's how it's strange because some of my friends, everything, all the music they love, I hate. <laughs> and then we we both know where we stand and you it's complicated because i have a feeling some a lot of the music that you love i love i mean there's loads of common i know lots of records you told me and we were both excited and there's so many records you love that i just don't understand and i hate and i guess you're just wider tastes more open-minded i don't know mm, i don't know something i just do that because i want to see your face in oh, this so you lie to me that you love it no okay, i love you mean about it's, the records it, okay it's even better than you know it's more it's more fun if you dislike it to see your face than when you're I like, like i that like that about 
part of why I'm doing this, I like to understand a little bit. I like to try to understand why, why someone else loves something and I hate it. I mean, it's easy to just say, okay, that's taste, but like Steely Dan is a perfect example and lots of disco. I mean, there's so many things and so many of my friends that I, I respect and I, and I like them and I, I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, I'd I mean, like, you grew up in Goa. It's not a disco place. So that's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. Maybe it's also exposure. Maybe it's just what you're exposed to when you're young. You know, I like you mentioned EBM. I mean, I loved and always have loved that harder, darker, whatever that more mechanic. I love that. And then I can completely see how some people just are not into it. Yeah. yeah I mean, like growing up again near Frankfurt, there was this big techno club thing by Tala to XLC, who later in his career became a He's trans like guy. He was a big name in the early days. But yeah, I think he founded that techno club in 83. Mm. And a lot of it was like what later on was called EBM. And to me, I know it's a bit of a blinkered view. To me, it always felt almost like fascist music. Although yeah. I know it isn't. It did. No, it, no, no, it did. And it plays with those images. And I mean... Uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. There was, yeah. there was definite. And I also think... It was also very masculine. I remember as a kid, I mean, some of that stuff does resonate with you. You know, you're like some of that imagery. I mean, Front 242 with their with their black uniforms and their glasses and stuff. I don't know. It, it had had something, you know. That was a big part of why I still, well, I'm, I mean, Nisser app. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Yeah, but me more too. like the stuff. It's like my join in the chant. Is that an EBM record? That's just a hit record. Yeah. I would play that as well in the last 12 hours of my DJ career. Okay, this is super important. We just hit upon a kind of accident. So join in the chant, right? Yeah. On the one hand, it's representative of, of a genre. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's one of the big EBM tracks and it's a big 80s track, etc. More importantly, it's a weapon. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm saying from a DJ standpoint, more importantly, it, it is a category A hit. That for whatever reason, the reasons don't matter, that it transcends the genre. Yeah. And that if you play it on most occasions, if you play it in a semi-intelligent programmed way, it gets a crazy result. Right. Yeah. You know, the ultimate being Blue Monday or I Feel Love. But I mean, there's all kinds of them. It, it is a record that works for your friends or our friends from Soul Wax. It's a record also as that, well that works as it does better for than it should Deadman. in a way. Right? Yeah. So my question is, as a party DJ, is your is your skill at identifying and collecting all those grade A bangers? From every genre. From every genre. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that really is the core ability. And then, yeah, and then also, and to, the willingness to play them. To work as a party DJ in a kind of uh, heterogenic audience, is that a word? Like not a, not a, you know, if you, if you like. A mixed crowd. A mixed crowd. Yeah. Sometimes the easy. Yo, professor, slow down. Yeah, just use yeah, some yeah, basic yeah. Sorry, English. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. You know, I just read Homo Deus. So I'm. <laughs> <laughs> um, a mixed crowd. A mixed crowd. Yeah. So they have different tastes and you try to find the lowest common denominator. If you're at the reggae party and everyone loves reggae, reggae, reggish, reggae, then you play <laughs> reggae. That's not, yeah. it's a no brainer, you know, then yeah. you almost can't go wrong. The weird part is, so I love joining the chant, right? I yep. mean, I, I love that record. I obviously, I mean, I like Nitzrab. I was never not like Front, not like other bands, but I, I mean, I like them a lot. I went to see them in concert as a kid. I had buttons and stickers and and I've never played joining the chant. Not once. That's a good one. Not once. And Crazy. Because, again, this is to reveal the differences in how DJs approach things. 
I mean, it seems crazy even when I say it, like it seems crazy, but the reasons are, number one, I just thought it's like everyone has this record. Everyone plays this record. Everyone knows this record. Why bother? And number two- Wrong. You asked for help. Yeah. <laughs> Let me help. <laughs> I know. No, no, I, I'm yeah. confessing. I know yeah. that this is backwards. I know that this leads down a rabbit hole of nothingness. I know this leads <laughs> to me- doing it you know doing a mix with just two drum sounds and effects and thinking oh my god you it's forgot so the snare. <laughs> <laughs> three drums no but and the other reason too is i think maybe a more valid one is also feel that like i'm like this with a lot of 80s records where it's like i feel like because my original attachment was genuine it's like i leave it there i don't want to bring it forward it's like it was It was a time, mm. it was that time in my life. And it's not, it's no longer, it's like looking back. It's like nostalgia, you mm. know? Those are my two reasons. Okay, fair enough. But those two reasons are up against, they're coming up against a more important reason, which is like, people have to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> people have to have fun. <laughs> and nobody's making better records it, now it, than joining the chant. It just so it's dawned not getting, upon you. It, yeah, it, but I, I it can... dawned upon me this week. I, September 2018. I can I can relate to that. A lot of the house records, greatest house essentials, hits, whatever, mm. I, I can't play them anymore. Robert Owens, I'll be your friend. That is the one I've never played. I think so I've never, played, never played Robert Owens, I'll be your friend. I've played it once or twice. I've never played it. Can we play it? It's a fantastic yeah. record. One of the quintessential house records of all time. I agree. And a moment of friends bonding yeah. over a shared love. <sighs> what a record yeah why i don't even know why i never played it i, I think because it's one of these not obnoxious is the wrong word professor it's these kind of ubiquitous ubiquitous yeah. records everyone yeah. has it everyone plays it it's everywhere what do you feel with joining the chant which is probably not true because i haven't heard <laughs> it in a club for quite a time quite a heard, while i actually just remembered at a tiny party in miami About 15 years ago, I heard Richie play it, and it was incredible. It was amazing. Uh, Robert Owens, when I the first nightclub I went to, did you to do one of with these? Richie? Yeah, no, not yet, no. but I will. I will. Oh, yeah. uh, the The club that changed my life was this club in Montreal called Crisco, and it was uh, in like I guess '92, and it was like the first ecstasy club, the first like kind of post New York garage into like. And anyway, that was one of the huge records there, and I just. Every night they play it. Mm. Anyway. Um, so of all your own productions, pick your favorite or pick one that you would like to play at this fantastic party. I mean, I, I still consider myself not to really be a producer, but uh, I'm happy with the remix I did for you and Clarion. You're special. Yes. Yeah. You're so, so special. Yeah. And I can actually play it out. So and I do. One thing I want to ask is, uh, because you DJed for so long before you produced records or remixed records, now how important is it for you in your sets to kind of have a few of your own productions? You know, is it a lift, like a little bit of power, like a little extra ammunition, or does it not matter? Or No, I mean, sometimes I do edits to make stuff more playable for myself or how I would like to have it played or in case with your remix I think I asked you for the stamps because I had an idea for it but I'm still not really comfortable to play stuff I 
was present when it was created. Why? You know? I don't know. Because I think because I've been DJing for such a long time now or collecting music or dancing to music. So it, it feels like <laughs> laughing about your own jokes or something like that. So I, I, it's again this service mentality. You make it mm -hmm. for other people to enjoy and to play it. You are 100% a DJ. Yeah. Yeah. But I think a lot of the things that in this interview, unfortunately, I probably spoke too much about myself, but a lot of the the complications, I think also are the result of a bit switching over from pure DJ to producer. Because there is a there's a switch. You know? I remember we always used to make fun of producer DJs, you know? Don't people still I guess make I mean, fun I, of it, right? I remember when I was young, you know, the, the the big shot would come with his hit records and he didn't know all the good records. It yeah. was it was like second rate, you know. Yeah. But probably something but maybe on the other side of that, that's the negative, but maybe on the other side of that certain confidence in presenting their own music or a certain comfort in presenting their own stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not blushing anymore, but I'm still not comfortable, I think. Maybe I should take some piano lessons. <sighs> no, not not necessary. <laughs> I think also, though, it takes, I don't know, I remember for myself, the first time I heard sunglasses at night, I had to leave the room. I was, like when I heard it out loud, I was, it was... I couldn't. I just couldn't. And, and then the it, checks came rolling in and you were like... <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> no, I think it's it's really just, you just get desensitized. It's okay. just, you just get, you just get used to it. So with know. like the rest of it. Yeah. I think it depends. I had, to begin with, I had such low expectations of myself because I was just so happy to make anything coming from the DJ angle. I was just so happy to make anything. So at the beginning, it was really just like, I was just so happy. Oh my God, that actually sounds like a record. And know? do you feel that it demystified the music for you? And how music was, the magic of it? The, how music was being made and created? And No, not really. I mean, I was, I, I remember like DJ Sneak and stuff like that. And I was like, wait a minute, he didn't play that thing, those things himself? No. You know, I like, mean, like yeah, samples? Yeah. Well, yeah, well, something goes from being completely mysterious yeah. to kind of explainable. Yeah. But just because it's explainable to me doesn't make it less magical, genius, you know? No, that's not what I'm saying, but yeah. it still takes a bit of a little, not, the innocence or the naivety. But for me, not really, or, because that, that was, that's what you lose, but what you gain is, wow, that was a good idea. You know, like, because sometimes, you know, sampling is a perfect example. It's like, you know, you can, you can break down a Daft Punk record and then like, okay, okay, okay. But then it's almost like even more like, From geek wow. to expert, you mean? Well, just, I don't know, shorter answer, I'm rambling, but the more time I spend in the studio, the more time I've tried to make big records, special records, actually, the more I appreciate how they are made difficult and, mm. and crazy it is to do it, you know? Okay. Okay. So let's get to closing record. Which is, uh, so this is, uh, I guess this is the last record you're ever going to play. I mean, it seems crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about like this became a nightmare and we're overpaid doing this, but we still hate it. And the traveling. I never so, said overpaid. It's so, yeah, you want even more money for this? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's so hard to travel all the time and then make charts on top of it. <gasps> You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm crying. You, just, you just come out of a plane and then you need to figure out 10 records you like for like a website or something, you know, terrible. So I would play Robert Wyatt at last. I am free. That's it. I don't know the record, but it you sounds don't know like the, the right it's choice. A, it's a cheek cover. you know. Okay. Yeah. Robert Wyatt, Soft Machine. Oh, I've heard of Soft Machine. Yeah. Oh, uh -oh. yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. I mean, let me, you know, I mean, living means learning. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. 
Um, Gerd, thank you for those selections. I have a few questions. Uh, Thanks I'm, for having me. No, no, I'm not. We're not even done. We got it. We got. I wanted to go, get back to how you organize your music, and can I just make it okay. up that I organize it every Monday from nine till twelve, and then on Tuesday I listen to every new record that's being released on websites and record shops for no, eight you hours. Can't, you can't change and then, it. Oh, can't change but that it. doesn't sound better. I think it sounds better what you said. The truth was better. The truth was better. Yeah. yeah. But then I feel like, oh God, they pay me for this, and I can't even bother looking for music one day a week. Well, I'll, I'll I'll help you out by saying that the more attempts at organization I've made, the worse I've become okay. as a DJ. And, it's and kind if you saw my playlists now. And it's kind of cool to get a degree without learning for it, right? Still yeah, it's pass just, the test. You just got a box of records. Yeah. If people saw my playlists, um, it's like I'd be committed. Like people would get me professional help. My playlists look like, you know, those crazy people, you know, like outsider art. You know, when you see, you know, crazy people who do things like they'll copy a newspaper by hand. Mm -hmm. That's what my, my play, my playlist. Or the people who write a book with like 3000 pages and it never gets released. And it's like the stream yeah, of consciousness. Exactly. And yeah. Yes. That's your playlist. More or less. It's like a never ending tree. It just <laughs> keeps splinter. It's like a fractal. It's a fractal that serves no purpose anymore. Except like a, it just self generates into like more and more genres. It goes from like deep techno into deep dub techno, and then it's deep dub techno one through nine for different deep, energy deep, levels. Deep, deep, deep. And then from there, it's even, a separate basic channel it. folder. Ah, yes. And then it goes from then it's a chain reaction folder, and then so it really reaches the point where sometimes when I'm playing to get to a record, um, tell me, okay, at your dream party, do you like indoor parties, outdoor parties, warehouses? You don't care. Mm, I normally don't care too much, but as Clubs have always been more of a thing for me than any other facility that plays loud music. I think it should be a club. I see you as a club guy. Yeah, I like clubs. You can understand being in a bees a lot. Some, you know, there's people I interview and it's all about yeah the sun and stars. Yeah, but I see you as a club club guy. Club. Um, who would be your opening DJ? Let's just assume you have to have an opening yeah. DJ. Yeah, Thomas Hamann. The guy who plays at Robert Johnson with me and is kind of a DJ mentor or it's kind of his fault that I became a DJ in the end, I think. Yeah. And he's been playing since 83 and not enough people know about him. And yeah. What do you like about? Everything. He can play hip hop. He can play techno. He can, he can, yeah, he's a music DJ, you know, when he can play, he can play different genres. Do you think he's underrated? Yeah. Yeah, I think he never produced records. Why do you think some people... I mean, he made one track on Workshop, uh, Mate 808 was him, but he he's, he's a DJ, not a producer. And he's always been kind of content with playing in his hometowns mm. or in his area. I think maybe I'm now now like, maybe he had the dream of becoming <laughs> Tiesto, I don't know. And now I'm, I'm no, not no, doing I'm... him justice, but... Well, there was also a... There was he's a... just a really good DJ, like he's the best, there was the best, a... the best of the best. That's wow. him, yeah. Do you consider yourself underrated or overrated? Me? Yeah. Overrated, of course. Why do you think, for example, him, there was a period of time, I remember when I first got kind of international, it was a period where it was almost impossible unless you were a producer. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a period where really you, your, your ticket in was going to be a big record. Or you were like a majestic type of guy, like yeah. Tony Humphreys, yeah, yeah, a giant you know? personality. Yeah, no, yeah. But, no, no, they came founding, from an earlier yeah, era. Yeah, that's what I mean, like founding fathers that's of different. something. They, they, they were grandfather clause yeah, yeah, yeah. in. Like in the 2000s, I really think your ticket in was a big production. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. how you even had to think about it. Yeah. But I'd say the last five years or so, it seems it's gone kind of flipped back. 
were loads, maybe even more than five years. Because were, lot, lots of diggers and selectors came on. <laughs> I want to make, just for the record, that not only did I not say that, yeah. but I've never said that. I've never said either of those words. Yeah, I would just wanted to mention them. Yeah. Because they became a thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which um, is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's weird. It, it works perfectly with the with the image of it. No, with the world now, with mm. the with the the search engine data world. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's how you. I mean, it's data world. So there. you're not you're not digging for music and you're not selecting it when you play it. You just mix it two drum sounds, three drum sounds <laughs> and a reverb. I just bring a drum machine. Um, and uh, no, I, I just, I mean, it's a given. And they don't mix their music? No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm they. saying, I'm saying that digging or whatever you want, it's, it's yeah. a given. It should yeah. never be. Yeah, that's it's why redundant I, that, that I it's, think you say it, it tongue in cheek with a wink, yeah. you know, but I'm saying two wings, <laughs> but it's one of those things that it only became a thing for like a newer generation that would never, but, but the old, you would never even consider yeah. it's a given. It's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But it's actually okay because that's how pop culture works. You know, mm -hmm. things go in cycles, but things also have to be new. Yeah. Anyway, I like, Or I like, seem to be new. Or, ah, so I like it how it is now because I like. Sorry for interrupting you. Worry, taking over now. I was. I, I, that's what I was wanted to say early on. I think the good thing or the greatest thing about our times now is that I again, this. mishmash. You can do what you want basically, as long as it's fun, <laughs> or as long as the party. Maybe even if it's not fun, and maybe even if the party is. Are you writing working, lyrics right now? Yeah, I do. I do. I'm starting. As long to as rap. it's fun and the that's party not, never stops. Not, yeah, <laughs> then you can do what you want. Old records, new records, unreleased records, never to be released records. Yeah, I would say that. Or you play really boring, deep stuff. <laughs> like you. I was, I won't say who, <laughs> like but I, great. The other yeah. day, I was talking to somebody, a DJ, a very well-known DJ, and and a good DJ, and I was asking some questions privately about you know how you organize your music. Like I'm kind of curious, and then it came to the subject of like deep deep records. I'm like, what about all my deep records and my dark techno and my trippy shit and all that? And then he said, trash folder. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and actually I was so impressed and I was, and it was like, <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was, it was not only was it funny and accurate, but if you knew the time and more than time, the energy I've put into that <laughs> for nothing. Anyway. That's good. I think what happens also is, you know, we all, we all romanticize the other. And I think for me, I think especially like there was like 10 years, 15 years where it's like, I was just playing like kind of poppy techno or massive electro stuff or, or my own records. That Why don't you say the word? What? Electro clash. Yeah, or yeah. electro, yeah, whatever. <laughs> just, or even, yeah. or even a record like my, like you gonna want me. I mean, it's like a pop record, whatever. Yeah. And I guess I started to secretly fetishize. You know, what if it was a dark room and I could play my Aphex, my Analord B sides all night? But the simple fact is, nobody so you're cares. So cool that you're not even saying Aphex Twin. You're saying, oh, I went Analord. right to Analord. Yeah, <laughs> I almost said Aphex yeah. Twin. I realized that's yeah, that's a given. So. Yeah, and then anyway, the point is yeah. that nobody cares. Yeah. And the trash folder is, so September 2018 is when I discovered the all these folder. truths <laughs> and it's setting me free. Um, you, I'm going to give you a golden ticket. You yeah. can invite one person, a super VIP to your last party. They can be friend, family, living, dead, hero, musician, writer, anything. Who, who is going to, and they come to the booth or whatever. My mom. 
Oh, it needs to be VIP, right? No, no, she can be a VIP. I mean, any- no, I mean, my mom would come anyway. Maybe she actually, my parents have never seen me DJ. Really? Ever? No. I mean, are you? Is that deliberate or? I don't know. It's kind on of on your end. Have you like dissuaded them or or? <laughs> I think there was never the chance. And then at one point they were spending a weekend in Berlin and their hotel was like three kilometers from Bergheim. And I was playing there on a Sunday evening. And then, of course, like all the people from Bergheim Panorama Bar were like, bring them, bring them. But And I was like, OK, they should come. And then I thought, ah, oh, maybe not. If, you know, if they've never seen me and then I thought it would be kind of a culture shock. But then and they were kind of hesitating. And then... I regret it now. Yeah. I think what are the chances that it's well? Well, you can, I mean, it's not, it can happen again. It'd be nice. It can happen again. Yeah. Maybe I'll ask them if they want. If you look at it from their angle, it must be kind of weird. They've never seen what their son. Yeah. Yeah. It is weird. You should, you should do it. Yeah. Um, But is that your VIP? I mean. No, no. You (laughs) maybe? But you would come anyway, right? No. No. (laughs) I mean, depending on what time is this set. Oh, I know who. Who? It's it's again corny to say Thomas Pynchon. Who? Thomas Pynchon, the author? Yeah. Gravity's Rainbow? Yeah. Okay. That would be good. But uh, you say it, it No, no, that's fine. Would he come? You think? Yes. No, no, the point is yes. The point is yes, they come. Okay. Yeah, then him. I always wanted to know how he looks like. Yeah. And he would be probably bored out of his genius mind <laughs> and leave would, straight away. It would be like he walked into a room of apes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just be like on just... Well, maybe that it would be for him, it would be, ah, this is how cave painting happened. Yeah. That's what I mean. Just like, yeah. just looking a around. A paleo party. Sometimes I... Paleo party. Sometimes I do think that the, you strip everything else away and just the capacity to listen to kick drums, essentially for 25 years, means maybe... You're an ape or you're a genius? A- ape. Bit of both? Ape. Ape. Closer to ape. <laughs> no, not ape. I just mean that I... No, but you know what? I sometimes think that part of the love of techno and also just part of part of the ability to keep trying to make music actually is like... I think it's a spiritual like, thing. <laughs> no, I mean... Can I finish? Yes, yeah, sorry, we'll sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. I was going to say is that I think it's... You don't remember. It's like a dog who keeps trying to jump over the fence. Like, I simply don't remember those 16 beats before. So it's like, oh my God, this track, this is sick. Like, yeah. <laughs> like almost, but I really actually sometimes I think that. Because otherwise, how could you explain listening to thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of techno? I don't know. I play music. Yeah, so there you go. You have... You, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know what I, I mean. I play slam records too. And they're not exactly Beethoven's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to come back to spirituality or should we just move on? Please move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after party. I don't know if you're a big after party type, but for this... Super big. I yeah, love I know, after that's parties. I'm I only just, in it for the after party. I just said that when go everyone place, knows. Far away. Back Every- to mine. Everyone back to mine. <laughs> So this given after party, who you get to pick one guy to DJ your after party? I think we would just all go for ice cream and then home. Okay. Is that yeah, that's really well, good ice cream, but then... Okay, but no, no, no. I, I want you to name, in seriousness, is there a DJ you would trust with the occasion or just that you would like to hear? You know, just like you picked the opening guy. Yeah. Is there somebody? But if there's nobody, if, if you really... Mm, Alex Patterson. From the Orb? Yeah. I booked him once in yeah. Montreal. And what did he play? I don't remember. 
what was the name of the other big ambient chill out DJ Mixmaster Morris Mixmaster Morris okay Mixmaster Morris that's the one I have a, anyway. silver suit and stuff yeah. yeah oh yeah he had the same suit as Adamski yeah. oh wait <laughs> rewind <laughs> uh, Abashanti who Abashanti I don't know how that you is don't, you have heard about Jashaka yes Abashanti is kind of the dub yeah Two years younger version of <laughs> Josh Haka. Yeah, okay. that would be great. That's good. Yeah. That's a good yeah. choice. So when it's all over, so it's all over. You're finally. 50, yeah. Finally. It's 50, over. 51. You put in, you, did, you completed your life sentence. Yeah. What do you think you would do? I actually have no idea. What do you think you're qualified to do? I think I would never open a restaurant, which is like what a lot of DJs do, right? It was yeah. the first the first DJ kind of trap. There's been three or four guys that yeah, went a, straight for chef yeah, or restaurant. It, and it went wrong most of no, the time. No, I'm saying in the interviews. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what happened oh, in reality. Still, it's still, it's in still the, a thing. It's still a thing. It's still a thing. It's because DJs eat a lot at restaurants, so they think they can do it too. It's not about know? mixing ingredients? Yeah, maybe. Blending them? <laughs> Same here. Me? No. No. Not in the cards. Okay, no. so, so not a restaurant. Maybe what some you, what, welfare stuff, doing what do something you think good for the people. I love working with people, you know. Like, <laughs> I might edit that one out just for yours, just for you, for my own sake, yeah, right? The kind of it's too cynic. No, too it wasn't. Cynic. No, no, it was the part before. The, it was just the kind of helping people, like helping the most people. general. <laughs> it's like, uh, but when they ask the models, like the Miss, the Miss, thing, the pageant. Peace, it was a pageant on, answer. Yeah, peace on earth. Yeah. No. Um, what do you think you're? But okay, serious. What do you think you are qualified? I have no qualifications whatsoever. I, I mean, you're not what, you're not alone. Yeah, no. Don't don't. That's think. why we became what we became. Um, no, because when we, we became it, we there was become. still a future. Okay, yeah. You But had now, time to cultivate different. Now skills. there's only the past. At 50, it could be tricky. I don't know. I mean, what is the thing? Open a gallery, like all these weird <laughs> things. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, come on. It's like Spinal Tap. It's like, yeah, but... <laughs> it's Spinal Tap. Like you open a gallery, this guy opens a, a restaurant, everyone's just like... <laughs> but that's our life now. Um, okay. Maybe going to comedy school, something like that. Is there such a thing? No, I think actually to be now not the half-joking, unfunny guy that I am, maybe I finally go and finish my studies. Okay. Yeah. But was your question more aimed towards what do you do to bring bread on your table? I mean, no. I mean, it's just, look, here, okay, here's the truth. We're sitting around here in Ibiza. We're talking and we have a million gigs lined up and it's a very abstract thing to think of the future. We think about it, obviously, we all have a vague idea. From one some, weekend to the next. Yeah, but that's part of the DJ life is actually yeah. that it's, and that's part of what makes it kind of addictive. You're on this Living wheel. For the weekend. Yeah. Well, it's just this endless cycle and it very quickly Yeah, you're kind of in suspended animation in a way. So it's a vague thought, but make no mistake, it will be real one day. I mean, one day, and life it's, is long. I mean, there's 30 years, 40 years after that. In my case, 50. 50. Least. Well, you're going to be 100. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so there's 50 years. I mean, that's a lot of, that's I mean, a lot I, I'm kind that's of, a lot of the, time to fill. I'm kind of in the process of building a studio, like a recording studio and bought a cutting lace and stuff like that. So, like helping people to cut records to cut records no to have this place to maybe do something like a school you know for younger people okay. who want to get into this 
My, I'm not laughing about that. My record collection is there, and I mean, I'm not sure how much you could charge them for it, but um, yeah, well, no, let's let's pretend it's not. Oh no, not there would fun, be some. No, this financial. is actually not a. It seems like it. Everything is about money now. It's not true. No. Anyway, we've gone an hour without talking about money. We might yeah. as well stay that way. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, like, if you ask me what will I do when I'm 50 and I stop this or 51 or whatever, then I immediately think about, oh, what I do for a living, yes. not what I do with my time, because, like, there are more books to read than I can ever read. I mean, we yeah, travel, but, we but, travel, come on, but, we travel the world, but we don't get to see it. So no. I could go to all those places I've I guess been I, and actually look. But I guess what I'm look saying, at those. I mean, it depends. There's some kinds of people that genuinely can say, oh, I would retire yeah. And that's it. And I would enjoy life forever. There's other kinds of people that they would always need to do a something. project, a task, an occupation. You know? I think if I could, if my life and my circumstances and my wallet would allow it, then I would just retire. Yeah, well, that, that, that might happen. Swim, read, bicycle. Chill. Chill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think you should do something. Yeah, I could again never, helping people. It sounds, but I used, you know, I used I'm not to be. I used to be, of those I used to be a lifesaver, an ambulance driver. So it's not all just, you. Why are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I don't know if there's something in translation, but it, no, ambulance driver. But it was the it's saying lifesaver. Like at the time, did you introduce yourself as a lifesaver? No, you're an ambulance driver. Yeah. Is that is that something you say in German? I'm a lifesaver. No, that's no. what I'm saying. And you're yeah. you're uh, an ambulance driver. You're a rettungssanitäter or rettungsassistent. What do you? And rettung yeah, rettung means means to save someone. So it's not, but it's not. Life is not a part of it. So we're not that. I did not mean. I did not know? mean in any way to like make that a. Now I'm a lifesaver. Last night a DJ. Um, I think I never played in deeps. Last night a DJ saved my life. I've never played it either. ever. I love that record. Yeah, I never played it. Mixed by Tony Humphreys, but I never, never played it. I've oftentimes kind of copied that record. Not copied the sound, but the, the, structure. the, the structure. And then, I mean, I always loved the rap. I, I thought it was so, it's so crazy how, okay, I've joked a lot about how, how boring sometimes I play, etc. But the truth is what I love, and that's the thing in the category A hits. The, the greatest thing for me about those hits is it can be so weird And it's not weird anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like it, that, that's the, that is what, that for me is the holy grail is you can have something that if you broke it down, it's so, it doesn't make any sense, but it just doesn't matter anymore because mm. it's a killer. But did you notice that you even put hits in categories? You have to categorize everything. Category A hit, category did I do B. That? Yeah. You said, yeah, it's a that's problem. why you have this. It's a problem. This folders of. It's a problem, but yeah. that's what life's about. That's what friends are for. Yeah. To help you recognize categories. Hmm. Yeah, you just have hits. Yeah, everything is a hit. Mm. Well, I'm moving towards, after this conversation and a few others, I am moving towards a big hits folder, less folders, and a lot of trash. That is my goal. In That's my, good. That's my good. my short-term goal. Uh, and I, when I'm 51, maybe yoga? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's the perfect ending. Gerd, thank you very much. It's Thanks been a pleasure. Me. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. <laughs> For rights reasons, my legal team has told me that we can't include audio in the podcast, but you can find all the tracks that we talk about on our SoundCloud and Spotify pages. Also a note that some of these episodes were recorded in the summer of 2018, so don't freak out if the 
parties they're talking about have already happened or if people have passed away or if there's some other small inconsistencies. We will all just have to do our best to accept that. This has been Gerd Janssen's Last Party on Earth with me, your host, Tiga. You gotta know you're gonna want to join me the next time when I'll be joined by Annie Mack. Last Party.